listening to Skylight, the Skylight Books podcast. Skylight Books is a general interest bookstore in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can shop with us from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or visit us online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Follow along at Skylight Books Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and now on to the episode. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books podcast, and I'm your host, Natalie Freeman. Today, we're so thrilled to welcome Mina Second to read from her debut novel, The Four Humors. And after that, she'll be in conversation with Hillary Leichter. Before I introduce them, I wanted to remind you that Skylight Books is open for in-store browsing, and you can always shop online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Mina Second is a writer from Brooklyn. Her work has been published in McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, the Rumpus, and elsewhere. She serves as managing editor of Apogee Journal, and The Four Humors is her first novel. Hilary Leichter is the author of the novel Temporary, which was shortlisted for the Center for Fiction First Novel Prize, longlisted for the Penn Hemingway Award, and finalist for the NYPL Young Lions Fiction Award. Her writing has appeared in N Plus One, The New Yorker, Harper's, The New York Times, and Conjunction. She teaches fiction at Columbia University. Thank you both so much for being here. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, Mina, did you wanna start by reading a little something for us? Um, yeah, I'll read a little from the beginning. Um, and I'm just, my whole life, I've been really terrible at pronunciation um, of English words. And so I actually just had to look up how to pronounce collar, um, which I thought was Kohler this whole time. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> the four humors that pump through my body determine my character, temperament, mood, blood, phlegm, black bile, and collar. The excess or lack of these bodily fluids designates how a person should be. I don't know what collar means, and when I Google it, the internet leads me to a link asking whether collar is a Scrabble word. What is collar, asked Cooper, when I report my findings. We're at my grandmother's where she is resting. She is tired from shopping for bargains on towels all day. The windows open and a breeze moves through the apartment carrying cat, gull, and car sounds from the street into the room. Because my grandmother is napping, Cooper and I can lounge on her sofa together and even touch arms. We search bodily fluids online and Hippocrates who first worked this theory out. Hippocrates was born on Kos, a Greek island off the coast of Turkey, and Cooper and I soon learned that humorism was practiced primarily in this geographical region and became very popular in the Islamic Golden Age. Cooper and I have been in Istanbul for two weeks now. We're here for the summer. Me, to take care of my grandmother and to see my father's grave. Him, to see that I do these things. Before we came to Turkey, my mother set some ground rules. I would stay at my grandmother's apartment in Levant and Cooper would rent a room two neighborhoods over at the top of Bebek's Hill. No sharing a bed, no kissing in public because the real Turks won't do that openly. We kiss instead when we are alone in the room Cooper is renting near the eye hospital where he is working. 
I was supposed to volunteer at a hospital too until my headaches began. Collar, it turns out, is yellow bile and in excess can compel even the most calm and gentle person into a hot tempered rage. Phlegm makes you sleepy and sluggish, but you are also known for your dependable nature. Black bile is melancholy and blood is the best humor. Blood pumps you into a kind and optimistic person. Wow, says Cooper. He hovers his finger over my computer screen to point out a warning that too much optimism can make you insensitive to those around you, apathetic even. We agree that many people suffer from this blood condition. We agree that although this topic is interesting, it may not explain my headaches. And we agree that my grandmother's Parkinson's cannot be explained away as phlegm. The humor theory prevailed until the 19th century when another man discovered germs, Louis Pasteur, who laid the framework for medical sterility and sanitation. But I believe in fluids more than germs, even though I'm supposed to become a doctor. They say that St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, who was visited by Christ in a year-long string of revelations in the 1670s, suffered from an excess of blood. She was his chosen instrument, St. Margaret said, but she could not convince the others to believe her. Christ asked her to initiate the feast of the Sacred Heart. Christ permitted her to lay her head on his radiant, torn-up chest. To cure her delusions, the priest decided to bleed her out once a month. They would cut her white thigh and have her sit in a stone basin. But my understanding of Christianity is limited and mostly Googled. I'm unsure what they did with her blood. That was great. Thank you for reading, <laughs> Nina. Um, and thank you for inviting me to be in conversation with you. Um, we haven't seen each other in a really long time. I think maybe a decade? When yeah. I. <laughs> It must, it must have been a decade. I think yeah. I must have been in um, my, it was my second semester of freshman year in college when I first had you as my first ever fiction workshop instructor. Yeah, and 2012. That was, my, <laughs> that was my first ever time teaching a fiction workshop. So, so incredible. Um, so I just, I really want to hear because I, I read your work then, and then now there's this beautiful book in the world, and I just really want to hear about the journey from then to now. What led you to this story, and where did it start? Yeah, wow. Um, well, I know I, I think I had told you this um, in an email. I remember I reached back out to you, and I really just felt so grateful because I had come to writing in general through poetry. And um, I started writing fiction that workshop and um, you were so encouraging that I feel like that was a huge reason I continued. Um, and you also exposed me to so many short story writers that I hadn't really read before. And um, I was possessed by voice. Like I was introduced by voice in that workshop, which was really important to me. Um, and I feel like that idea of voice from say Mary Gatesville and Amy Hempel onwards just possessed me so much. Um, from there, I kept I kept writing much to the um, concern of my family. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and with this, with this story, um, this story I feel comes from so many 
so many collages in my life maybe um and concerns I have um I know my whole reading journey has always been one where I'm I'm really interested in two different subgenres. One is the alienated female narrator. Um, mm -hmm. And the second is intergenerational um, immigrant and diaspora novels. Um, and I really felt like the two rarely overlap and the two are rarely done in tandem. Um, and so I knew writing this that I really wanted to be able to put a story together that would be both in equal measures. Um, yeah, and I actually first read a tiny little blurb about St. Margaret Mary Alacoque in Laugham's Quarterly. It's this tiny, maybe two sentences. Um, and thus my four humors obsession began. <laughs> yeah. I, it's so interesting um, what what you're saying about the the disaffected female narrator and the intergenerational immigrant story, I because they they go so they go hand in hand in your book. Like you, you kind of can't have one without the other. And there's this great there's this great kind of like throwaway line that your narrator Sibyl, but it's pronounced Sibyl. Uh, it's Sibal in Turkish, but. Um, it's a great, I, it was the perfect name for her because she's yeah. so, yeah, doom oriented. Yes, <laughs> she is. And she has this great line um, where she says, really, I don't do anything, but I like knowing that I can do anything. And that seemed to me to kind of sum up freedom in a nutshell as a woman, you know, the ability to to just have the ability and not and not use it and and then that kind of reflected in her mother's experience and her great aunt's experience and her grandmother's experience were, were you thinking a lot about uh, I mean you said you were thinking about these two narratives and kind of binding them together but were you thinking about the just the experience of being a woman through the generations and in different cultures and what that means and looks like yeah, definitely, definitely. And I feel like that, that line really emphasizes it. Um, I thought a lot about how as a hyphenated Turkish American identity, and as a, a woman in this generation, um, I have gotten to do a lot. And um, I have opportunities that I don't even realize I am able to do. Um, and I wanted to highlight just this, um, the malaise that comes along with it and the not recognizing how generations before you were not able to do that in so many levels. And Sibel was really the perfect vessel for that because she had to be made, she had to be made aware and um, she had to be made aware on both like a emotional level, but also a geographical boundary level. Um, and I really tried to make that, I really like, I had to go back into the past in order to do that. Yeah. It like, it speaks to me on a different level too, of just 
the kind of paralyzing fear that I think anyone under 50 feels right now about what Mm -hmm. to do about everything and how that kind of need for action translates into inaction Mm -hmm. definitely into a chronic headache yes (laughs) like the one (laughs) that has for the whole book Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean do you feel that too just like like where to even start with fixing things I mean it's yeah yeah it's I it's it's impossible to it's impossible to know really right and especially when you're in a family environment Mm -hmm. um and and care is emphasized so much but people have so much trouble taking care of themselves today but they have so many outlets too and they have so many things that are being sold to them or told to them yeah Right. Self-care. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I feel like I really wanted to, I really wanted to write against that in a way. I, I didn't want the four humors to be that, but of course they also are um, because wellness ultimately is just having faith in these things in like the mysteries of um, what medicine can't answer, what, uh, modern day therapy and psychiatry can't answer like wellness swoops in and just fills that up and so I wanted the four humors to be that for her um and because she is a little thorny in some ways she refuses to see that the four humors is the same thing as that yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I'm predicting that in tandem with your book there's gonna be the four humors regimen line up now <laughs> that would be fun yeah Probably i wonder we'll, we'll go there it's like the last thing the last frontier but yeah. what so what is it about ancient medicine that was appealing to you as a way into this story like um wow i don't i've i've always been really obsessed and fascinated with the body um um a lot of my family members are in medicine and i definitely grew up with grew up seeing uh, laparoscopic um, organs, like pictures of organs just lying around on desks and stuff. So (laughs) that was definitely something that I consumed without really realizing it. Um, And I'm also um, obsessed with ancient, ancient times. And so the two just immediately, drew me in um and I feel like the four humors in general have a really uh rich literary history too um black bile in particular the other ones have not been written about by the poets and Shakespeare as much but black bile is amazing because I feel like it is modern day um it's both modern day clinical, very serious depression and an everyday um, malaise. And um, it definitely it definitely has taken hold of us and still takes hold of us all the time. And I feel like the ways people try and treat that was was just fascinating to me as I read more and more about it, as I read 
um, my favorite ancient medicine medical text that I found, the Trochula. Um, yeah, that one was fun. That's the first um, compendium for women's health that came out of Salerno in 1000s AD. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you tra- did you travel to specific libraries to do your research, or I mean, this just sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it was really class. really fun. Yeah, yeah, it was very fun. I didn't I didn't travel to that many libraries for it in particular. I was mostly at Columbia's library, and I found a lot of amazing texts there. Um, I weirdly found a lot of texts in my dad's mom's house in Ankara, Turkey, where um, I found some strange uh, Islamic medical texts that I think my grandpa had had. He wasn't a doctor, but he just had them. And um, me and my aunt sat, it was it was very difficult to read because my, my Turkish is, I'm a very slow reader in Turkish. And so me and my aunt read some of it together. There was some fun stuff there. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm curious, you obviously wrote this before the pandemic, right? Yeah. Or you've mm-hmm. been working on it for a time. So, I mean, how, how does it change your thinking about the book now? Just seeing people so blatantly reject modern medicine in a different, obviously in a much different way than your character is rejecting it. But I mean, how does that echo off of the, this thing that you wrote? Yeah, that's so that's so fascinating. Um, it shows me just, uh, it shows me how much um, blind conviction people can have in um, whatever is serving them at the time. Um, and I feel like for my character, it's a very, she's so, she's so internal and she's so uh, depressed and grieving. She cannot see the things that are actually happening around her. Um, and I feel like with this pandemic, there's something similar going on where people have gotten so caught up with um the narrative, um, the idea that their personal freedoms are being taken away by certain things, that they can't they can't come back to the logic in a way. And and maybe I'm maybe I'm taking this in too far of a different direction, but I feel like so much of writing is about that or fiction writing, kind of like what it takes to lose the logical thread and how to get back to it that's I love that that's fascinating that that reminds me of another quote that I pulled from (laughs) this is from (laughs) the end of the book but um again this is from Sibal thinking about you know just how she sees the world and she says the clarity I see in the world when I am confused, when I don't know something, especially a finite answer, that's where the mind's 
equilibrium is buried. So almost like the idea that clarity is buried in confusion, as you just said. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if is equilibrium important to you in narrative as well as in life? Because there's so there's so much symmetry in this book. There are all these sister relationships that mirror each other and and events that mirror each other throughout the text and um like do, do you write to find equilibrium wow um i think no <laughs> <laughs> i i feel like it's I, and i only say no because i feel like it's impossible to um and i feel like um the novel is i feel like okay so i've been trying to write an essay recently, right? And it's been really, really difficult for me to, um, and I keep thinking about how the word root of essay is to try, right? right. And I I can't get over that. And every time I'm struggling, I'm just like, <laughs> that is the word trying. root. You're uh, not yeah, struggling, and, you're trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and I've been finding that I'm having trouble with essay writing because it has a more finite understanding of truth and um, it has a more narrow lens towards which to talk about that truth. Mm -hmm. And um, a novel is so much more, has so many more, has so much more room for truth. Um, and you get to, the beautiful thing is that you get to see all the different sides of one truth in a single space um and so in that way i guess novels are that messiness that um lack of clarity and of course um storytelling has a certain clarity to it in terms of structure in terms of um maybe symmetries that are going on but the topics themselves i feel like can never be can never be clear yeah yeah I mean I know that I'm gonna start thinking about whether my books have enough black bile and color <laughs> in them when I'm writing now though <laughs> I, I just think it's an interesting way of thinking about fiction of you know is is there too much blood in your story or is there mm -hmm. is there too much yeah is there too much malaise is there, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm not gonna be able to help but consider that from now on. Yeah, yeah. The, um, there's like this, this great interesting shift where the inner life that our narrator is experiencing, the way that we talk about the four humors in the book, it starts to be projected onto the outer world too. And you describe Istanbul as a humor um, a black humor that starts to leak from the narrator's spleen. And I'm curious if if you think other cities are humors as well, and if mm. you'd like to assign them <laughs> a wow, humor, or, is it just, or is it just Istanbul? Is it just that place in the context of this story? Oh, no, I can, I can do this for a really long time. <laughs> um, um, LA, where I've, I've recently temporarily moved to um is definitely blood which is appearing mm. to be happy and almost it's toxic positivity um 
New York, I would say, is probably a melancholic, uh, choleric mixture. I don't think it's just melancholy New York. There's also choler, which I, again, mispronounced it, choler, which um, makes it, makes you really ambitious and uh, excitable and angry. So I think it definitely That's more like the financial district. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe the black file is in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what's a really sleepy city? That would be phlegm. <laughs> a really sleepy yeah. city yeah um, yeah not new york i don't if you yeah. find it let me know because i would love to live there i want a really yeah. really sleepy, like <laughs> napping city that's, mm-hmm. my, that's my speed definitely um so so what are you working on now besides um, the essay yeah the essay the continuous uh trial um (laughs) but um now I'm working on um I really it's interesting that I I've been working on this novel set in Brooklyn about um a pair of Turkish American twins for a really long time and I had a lot of trouble writing it for so many years because um I don't know I think a lot about how to write ethnicity and how to write an otherness. Um, And I found that it was a lot easier to write about that otherness that I grew up in that I'm always thinking about actually in Istanbul where it's it's the insider outsider. And so it was easier to talk about being um, a foreign Turk there than it was to write, I guess, about the actual mother wound in Brooklyn. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying, I'm still trying to write that. Um, but since I've moved to LA, I'm, I'm getting kind of possessed by that city. Um, so I'm starting to write this story about a young woman who, um, is a birder. And so she goes to the LA river every day birding. Yeah. It's going to be a little kooky. (laughs) <laughs> you know I love yeah. cookie, so I yeah. can't read it. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you both so much for such a humorous <laughs> I had to um <laughs> conversation. Um it was so fun to listen to that and as Hillary said as well, I now I'm going to go through the rest of my day and life probably looking for the humors and things and it was so fun to listen to you guys categorize the cities too. I think that LA is definitely bloody. <laughs> yeah, right. So bloody. Also it's so bloody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you both so much. We're so excited about the four humors. And you can buy your very own copy from Skylight Books by visiting skylightbooks.com. Thank you again to Mina Second and Hillary Leiser for joining us today. And we hope to see you all soon. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.